Hi, welcome back to Focus. I'm Ron Cisco, and today I'd like to talk about gratuity culture. It's a subject to me that hits kind of close to home. I play games on Twitch. From a growth or achievement perspective, it makes more sense for me to look at it in terms of milestones. Everything that I accomplish in terms of gaining followers or subscribers or bit donations or donations in general really it kind of drives me forward. It gives me a baseline of determining where I am and where I'm going. Uh, as a business, if I were to turn that into a business, that that is the the milestone that I create for myself. Okay, this is how I've done this month, and this is how I'll do next month, or I'm, I'm falling behind this month, and, and this is what I'd like to do to change that. There's a self-actualization process that comes in, in finding that balance between monetization and, uh, and, and kind of honesty. Um, I, for the most part, my, my Twitch persona is very similar to who I am as a, as a re regular human being. Much the same way as it is in acting, it's easier to be who you know to be or to draw from your own personal experiences or to bring yourself as the baseline for a character. I wouldn't really call myself a character. I mean, you know, it's, I guess in a lot of ways it is. I, I change the way I react to certain things, but... Um, the, the, the reactions still need to be visceral or real because people can detect when things are fake. And that's, that's kind of definitely what we see on a lot of places, especially like YouTube. There's really not much of an issue here as long as you're self-aware of where, you're, where your boundaries lie. And actually, I think most of the people who, who do things like this on Twitch or YouTube or, you know, whatever other platforms, Facebook... Uh, tw Twitter, Instagram, they, they're pretty honest with themselves about what those concepts are. But there are a bunch of us who aren't. I can think of two examples um, where, where branding kind of overtakes a person and it, it definitely feels more forced or fake or less forced and more real and kind of scary. Uh, I, was, I watch a lot of uh, motorcycle videos I just bought a motorcycle, and I'm, I'm kind of a newly anointed motorcycle rider. I'm, I'm getting there. So I watch obsessively hundreds of videos about motor, motorcycle crashes. And as a person who studies, I, I like to study the real-world implications of the things that I'm interested in. Um, motorcycle videos are kind of fascinating. I have seen, I don't know, upwards around 400 separate motorcycle crashes. It's all available on YouTube, and it's kind of morbid to think about, but the truth is, understanding other people's mistakes helps you prepare to avoid those same mistakes. Understanding the history prevents you from repeating it. That's how I look at it. So, instead of scaring myself out of riding, I'm studying these things to, to learn what not to do. Just to give you a perspective on why I watch constant motorcycle crash videos. Um, along with motorcycle videos, I get kind of side interest videos based on what uh, YouTube thinks I'm interested in. I like video games, I like motorcycles, I like comedy, I like guns, so I get peripheral videos. People who watch this watch that. One of the, the creators that was suggested to me, I think his name was Brian with Brian's Lawn Maintenance, um, and that's how he introduces himself. Hi, I'm Brian with Brian's Lawn Maintenance. Um, and, and it's, it's so interesting to, to listen to him brand himself. There's definitely a distinct, 
definition of who he is and where his channel is and who his persona is for his channel and uh, and how he views it as a business and how he cultivates that. Hi, I'm Brian with Brian's Lawn Maintenance. And, uh, you know, I want to tell you a story about blah, 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 blah. And then he says, I know how you guys love stories on Storytime with Brian on Brian's Lawn Maintenance, which was just kind of like this jarring realization that he, he, you know, really separates those things. The reality of it is broken. The kayfabe is broken, if you will. And I'm, I'm kind of understanding that Brian understands that the meta narrative here is that he separated himself from his business. It, he doesn't, it doesn't own him. I think there's a danger in not being aware of that distinction. I was watching another YouTube channel because I color my hair um, pretty wildly. I'm, I don't know if that'll continue, but I, I really enjoy having my hair colored. And the, um, the video that I watched, I can't remember her name. It was this girl who was talking about doing some uh, funky hair colors because I was, I was investigating some specific funky hair colors and she had black hair and I have black hair. And uh, I remember she said, okay, guys, I'm going to go into the salon uh, and we're going to take care of a few things. They're not going to let me film in there, but, uh, you know, we'll come back out and we'll have a few more, uh, you know, whatever it is that she wants to talk about. But it's all about hair products. And she said, but um, leave in the comments what your favorite hair color on me has been, which was, I mean, outwardly, it's not a, not a terrible thing to say. It's, it's not... It's definitely self-indulgent, and I think it leaves the YouTube populace or the commenters kind of out of it. No longer do you have agency in the conversation. You're just talking about what you liked on her and not what you've enjoyed on yourself. You don't get to talk about yourself. She just wants to hear you talk about her. And again, personas and self-actualization and, and all that, it's hard to determine if she knows where the line between her and her YouTube character is I know it seems weird in concept to to draw the line between who you are and what you portray on online but the truth is we all have really bad moments we all do awful things and hopefully we apologize for those things but it also really puts into perspective that there are certain things you present to other people on purpose and there are certain things that you attempt not to represent yourself as it comes along with that same statement we hear over and over again when someone does something kind of awful on social media and they say, I apologize if anyone was offended, which isn't a real apology. This doesn't represent me as a person, but it does. Every video on YouTube or Twitter or Instagram ends with a like, share, or subscribe, or a wall of of social media accounts that they would like you to pay some sort of tribute to. It's a new world, it's a new generation, and that kind of progress is not something I think we should frown upon. People have found something to monetize, and from any free market capital view, this is a wonderful thing. One of the things that I really worry about, though, is people don't understand that there's a line drawn between you as a character and you in real life. My wife was telling me a story about uh, a woman who called the police because her Instagram account was, account was banned. And, and we'll read this article from The Independent um, about, about what this was, specifically because I kind of want to illustrate where this is coming from. 
The title of the article is Instagram influencer whose account was deleted said she called the police because it felt like a murder. I don't want to feel like Philip DeFranco here. I just kind of want to talk about it. The subtitle is she previously she previously said she is nothing without my following. The article begins, a social media influencer who filmed a tearful video of herself after her Instagram was deleted reportedly called police over the incident because it felt like a murder. Jesse Taylor, a 21-year-old from Tampa, Florida, uploaded the now viral video titled Stop Reporting My Instagram Account to YouTube after her Instagram account with more than 100,000 followers was mysteriously deleted. According to Taylor, in addition to posting the emotional plea in which she said she's nothing without her following and doesn't have the skills for a normal job, she attempted to involve the police. Speaking to Insider, Taylor said, I felt like it was a homicide, like someone murdered me and then went online to say, I murdered this girl. I called the police actually and I told them about this and they said, you can't compare a murder to this. And I was like, no, that's exactly what it felt like. The influencer reportedly made $500,000 from her account before it was deleted. Money, she said, does not last. You go to the Gucci store a few times, you pay a couple months rent. I'm not rich like I used to be, she said. Despite her initial desperation, Taylor previously told The Independent that her life is changing and that she might be getting a Netflix show following the attention from her video. The Independent has contacted Netflix for comment. Taylor's original Instagram account has been reinstated after Instagram acknowledged that the account had been removed in error. According to Taylor, who made another account where she's since gained more than 15,000 followers, the incident was a blessing in disguise. Since regaining access to her account, Taylor has received numerous comments from people reporting her, which she said in the video she believes was the initial reason her account was removed. Let's all report her again, one person wrote on a selfie of Taylor. Others have criticized the influencer for refusing to get a job. Get a real job, another person commented. Well, that was a little annoying to read uh, because mostly we'll get to that. But there were a lot of ads on that site and I didn't, I didn't really have to want to navigate that. But listening to what she's talking about, it's clear that she places a value there. It's a monetary business. There's, she claims $500,000. For 100,000 followers, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. Because $5 per follower, that's an incredible monetization. If you were posting 20 times a day and you could get somebody to pay you for that, that kind of volume, your followers would immediately tune you out. So I just, I don't believe that this is a real number. I think she's made that up. She was probably making some money, but it wasn't comfortable. And listening to her talk about visiting the Gucci store and whatever, it's infuriating because it's, it's hard to watch someone be so out of touch with reality, especially since so many of us work real jobs. Some of us don't like our jobs. I, I completely understand that. And I understand people who are infuriated by her attitude and they say, uh, why don't you get a real job? You should get a job, you know, and she looks at this as her profession, but she also says, I don't have the skills for another job, which to me is a defeatist attitude. And, and on the subject of her attitude, this is one of those things that really brings a concept to light. We do things in this society now for likes and, and, and engagement and some, some sort of positive inclusion, hopefully. We, we try to pretend that we don't listen to the haters, but we all listen to what's being said. Sometimes it's funny and sometimes it isn't. Uh, I, do, I definitely get my share of what we might call trolls. I don't know. I put myself out there with this podcast, with my Twitch streams, with any content I might upload on YouTube. I've put myself out there. So to me, I've made myself a target for those things. The problem is when you're, when you're really cultivating yourself 
or your actions or your your representation in any form of media to match an image that you want to sell to other people, what you're really kind of doing is destroying your own individuality. As long as you can kind of separate yourself from that and make people comfortable with the fact that you are not the person that you portray online, as I'm sure Jessica Negri would appreciate if her followers were more aware of the division between her as a human being and her as a public persona. Not that I wanted to name drop Jessica Negri, but someone showed up on her doorstep. I don't know for what purpose, but she had to tell that person off. It's scary. But how much involvement do you allow other people to have in your life? How, how far are you willing to toe the line in order to, to gain that fame or respect or whatever it is that you're looking for? I'm not blaming the victim here. I think what happened to Jessica or Dr. Disrespect um, are, are really horrible things. I, I'm sorry, I should go back and explain. Cosplay is costume play. She dresses up like characters in other forms of media like movies, video games, comic books, whatever. Um, and Dr. Disrespect is a Twitch streamer as well, although he's much more famous than I am. Uh, someone shot at his house twice. You don't get into this assuming that anyone's ever going to find your address, much less put you or your family, which is much worse, at risk. The people who didn't sign up for this don't know the risks, and they, they are victims, victims that never should be included. But that really speaks to that cultivation of persona, not having a division between yourself as a character and yourself as a human being leads people to really treat you as a human being as you as the character. And that's terrifying. People should know better. We keep saying people should know better, but the reality of that is that it's not true. I find that a lot of people do things, sometimes nice things, hopefully nice things, for likes and recognition. I think doing nice things is wonderful. I think you should do them from your soul. If you film them, I don't really see a downside to that. But I see so many videos where people really hype up the expectation of your engagement in their acts of charity. What we've really done is kind of created a world where our expectations of how you view us are determining our, our value of who we are as people. And for me, that's scary because sometimes the value is simply monetary. Rather than the view, view of a person, like a full person, with good and bad moments and, and good and bad actions. Please don't take that to mean I justify or condone anyone making sexual harassment or, or threats or, or any of those situations, but, but what I'm saying is that we're all human. We all make mistakes. Hopefully we apologize for those mistakes and don't make half-hearted attempts at apologies. But, but we, we also have to understand that people aren't infallible in any sense, regardless of how you want to look at that word. That young lady, whoever she might be, with the Instagram account, um, I don't remember her name already, I'm sorry. She has every right to be upset about having her Instagram account deleted. I don't want to minimize that. She had a business and her platform had been destroyed. And there's nothing wrong with being upset about that. There's nothing wrong with feeling wronged by the system about that. And she did what she did 
to to kind of rebuild herself, which I think is commendable. It's absolutely commendable to see her take herself and say, I have to start over and in a very short period of time, create herself another platform with 15,000 more likes. What scares me is that she called the police and told them it felt like murder. The value that we place on other people's acceptance and engagement had created, I, I genuinely believe for her, she felt like she had been murdered, even though she doesn't have a concept of what it's like to be murdered. And please don't take that as a suggestion that she should be murdered. Please don't, don't ever do that. Don't, don't, please. But she doesn't understand the reality. She's been disconnected from that reality. Should she have been contacting Instagram and hounding them about what happened to my account with 100,000 followers? This is business. Could she have contacted a lawyer? Absolutely. Those are wonderful avenues of figuring out where her situation was. Those are not avenues that she thought of. Those are not avenues that she considered. Her, her inclination was to call the police and report that she felt like she'd been murdered. So... I'm never going to be able to talk to her. And even if I did, she would never listen to a word I say. But there's definitely a place you can put yourself that I think is more help, healthy. When you, when you create social media interactions, whether it be through Twitch or YouTube or Instagram, I think it's important to have your own opinions and not the opinions of people that you think you want money from or influence from. Or engagement from you should be able to separate yourself as a person and yourself as a character based on your ability to think for yourself I watched a YouTube video where someone who was um, breaking up in a relationship they had a YouTube channel together and they were you know doing things on YouTube and I think I talked about this before I'm not entirely certain and, uh, and he said, I remember buying her flowers and then wondering to myself if I was buying flowers for her or if I was buying flowers for the channel to see that I've purchased for her. And so it's always important to maintain the distinction between you and your persona. So have your own opinions, but also it's important to note that you don't have to justify your opinions to people. It's always a wonderful thing to have a logical base. But having feelings about something or believing in a certain way is, is absolutely fine. You shouldn't have to, to explain why you believe something as long as it only affects you. When you start forcing those beliefs on other people, I think we need to hold you to a different standard. But, but having your own opinions and having your own feelings, those are things you can keep for yourself. You shouldn't have to justify your position for likes on facebook i've seen these like cute alien comics where they put aliens in situations that humans are and they discuss things in kind of an alien perspective of, of kind of mocking how we treat those situations i totally get where they're coming from i think they're adorable but i in one of the comments for uh for the the share that one of my friends posted this alien comment they said i think this guy is actually anti-abortion I'm not a woman, so I didn't engage in this conversation because I know, I know exactly how that would have gone. But a lot of people are pro-life or anti-abortion. I personally, I don't think it's an, a, a terrible thing to have your own opinion on this subject. 
I'll clarify and say that I'm pro-choice, but I don't think that affects my message here or the message that I've given you before. I don't think it, it changes what, what I'm trying to, to talk to you about. I don't think it changes the subject of his cartoons, but now the people reading those cartoons feel like they can't engage with it because they don't like this person's opinion on, on life. I read the article talking about what this person's opinions were because I was, I was kind of curious where this animosity had come from. And uh, I believe that the author of the comic is Nathan Whipple, W-P-Y-L-E. I, I think you should look up the comics if you haven't. They're adorable. I, um, I read the article and I, I, I saw the argument that they kind of presented for, for why they believe what they believe. I would say that it's still unfair for them to have to justify their position there. Um, I know that the abortion topic is sensitive for a lot of people and, and actually they make a very heartfelt case for why they feel their way. Um, but, but we can have opinions, dissenting opinions and still appreciate that this person exists and that they make something generally enjoyable. Just because I don't agree with that person's opinion doesn't mean I have to dismiss them as a human being or as an artist or a creator they state that their intent isn't to enforce their beliefs in other people, just that they believe this way. I think this really speaks to kind of the audience's agency in social media and the social media distribution and uh, propagation of, of information and content. We need to stop micromanaging people. Everyone has different beliefs. I know I've talked about this very specifically, but but enjoying certain brands or or having a, a favorite brand of car or liking a sports team or your favorite soda. Those are all things that are just programmed into you for some reason. You can't be convinced to like something against your will. You can't be convinced to change your mind about something when it's just something that's built into you to feel a certain way. And so for us to, to turn around and, and uh, hold people responsible for, for how they think or how they feel is wildly inappropriate. Your actions by far are the best definition of you as a person. So holding people accountable for their actions certainly makes sense to me. And I don't mean in terms of how they vote or how they discuss themselves in a public forum. I mean how they treat other people. But beyond that, you cannot micromanage a person. And we're so guilty of this, uh, especially on Instagram and Twitter, and, and to a lesser extent Facebook, but, but more personally Facebook. You can't take the mob mentality and tell people they need to think your way because you're stamping individuality out. As a concept, individuality is, is like thought evolution. The best way to, to create new ideas or come up with new solutions is to have different people think about a problem and have them all work on the problem together. Not everyone is going to be right in the end, but having everyone's input gives us a path to a solution that we wouldn't have thought about individually. Stamping out individual thought, regardless of how distasteful we might feel that thought is, only puts the thought underground. And those rumblings stay passive until they become 
violent. Not necessarily in physical violence, but outbursts. I think a perfect example of this is white supremacy. I'm going to preface this by saying, please don't think I'm condoning white supremacy. But rather than having conversations with white supremacists, we've um, shamed them or threatened them and put them underground. And it wasn't until recently that they feel like they have a new platform to express themselves. So, of course, it came back in the form of a certain, I'd, I'd call it a slingshot effect. Rather than having natural conversations about people like, why do you hate Obama? We couldn't engage with these people. We simply told them, no, you're racist, shut up. And they said, our time will come. There's definitely an appeal to the human side. Over time, racism goes away. But it's still prevalent. And it's louder than it used to be because it was quiet before. I think what really drives us to attack people like that is that we are all so ready to be offended all the time. And I understand that feeling. I get it at the pit of my stomach every time I turn on uh, the news that I'm, that I'm offended by the way someone feels. But while it is my right to be offended by how they feel, they are well within their rights to feel that way. And we expect a modicum of freedom with regards to speech. And I feel we should respect that going both ways, even when we don't agree with the message, as long as it doesn't include violence. Is it fine to be offended? Absolutely. Is it fine to take action when you're offended? That depends. It depends on what your action is. Does it, does it make sense for someone to lose their job because they have an opinion, an uneducated opinion? Can't we educate that person about the other position? They can take that how they will. And hopefully they'll modify their position or we'll modify our position depending on what that position might be. Rather than destroying a person's life, do we have to seek out, and this happens a lot. If you've been on Twitter, you know, do we have to seek out people to be offended by? I don't think we do. And so gratuity culture doesn't appreciate this last idea. We're so ready to tell people how to live their lives. We're so ready to tell people what they should buy. I don't understand what it is, and I, I get the same feeling, the innate drive within a human to be right about something. So we want to recommend uh, that, that mechanic, that, that store, that product, and we want to be right about it. We want you to appreciate how we feel. This was, this was a base urge before social media. This existed. But we should stop offering advice when it's not solicited and instead offer a helping hand. Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. I really enjoy doing this. I, I want to take a quick second to think about this since this is running a little bit longer than usual, probably because I read a, a news article in the middle of this. Um, Talking about these subjects has been so interesting. I do get a little bit of engagement uh, based on, on the people who listen. And I'm so thankful for, for your ideas and, and the way you feel. And I hope we get to talk about these things in the future. Again, if you wanted to talk to me, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter at FocusByCisco or go to FocusByCisco.com or email me at Ron at FocusByCisco.com. 
here we go with that social media drop, all of that information. It seems ironic, but but the truth is, rather than you liking or or agreeing with me, I want I want to I want to know how you feel. I want to know if you think I'm wrong, where I think I'm, where you think I'm wrong, and uh, and and we can have a discussion about that. We can evolve our opinions and and our our um, our sensibilities. If you decide to share this with anyone, I hope that you do because it meant something to you and not because you think they need to hear it. I'll see you when the plot requires it, but until next time, be excellent to each other.